0: We are in a series in the book of Acts called The Holy Spirit and You, and we are in Acts 11 now. Acts 11, verse 19, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this message. Please hide me behind the cross. Lord, you have something for every single person here today. Make it real. Make it alive. And let us meet with you and let us respond to you, God, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated. So just so we know what's going on in this text, in Acts chapter 10, we did last week, God gives Peter this revelation about the Gentiles that the Gentiles do not have to become Jews to become Christians. Christians there's nothing in the way they can get saved just as they are and that's how acts 10 ends with them getting baptized and then acts 11 starts the first 18 verses the the Jews that found out about it this were angry they're upset no 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 they need to they need to become Jews and Peter's like no this is what happened god has changed the rules this is there's nothing in the way gentiles can come just as they are and they can be saved and and so there's this other group that have been, um, they've been spread out since the persecution of Stephen. So they have no idea of Peter's revelation. They have no idea of that argument. They're just, they're just out there, and they're only preaching the gospel to Jews because that's how they had originally been doing it. But some of them just kind of started preaching to Greeks too, and people that didn't speak Hebrew, and, and, and the Lord's hand was with them, confirming, I want this, I want this, I want this. And so the, there's all these Gentiles getting saved, and the, those that were only preaching to Jews are like, oh, illegal, this is illegal. And so they send a group back to Jerusalem to get their ruling. And the church in Jerusalem says... Let's send Barnabas to see what's going on there. He is described as a good man filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. Now what grabs me here is that five out of the seven times to this point where it says somebody was filled with the Spirit, it's about an event. It's like they were filled with the Spirit and then they spoke. They filled with the Spirit and then they prayed. They were filled with the Spirit and then the building shook. But here, it's not a, a f- filled as a verb that of something they're going to do. This is an attribute that Barnabas, as known and, and anybody that knows him has said, that's a man filled with the Holy Spirit. This isn't just an event that's happening one time, but he's got a lifestyle, which, which is like it's an attribute of his. He is a man filled with the Holy Spirit, not once, but all the time. And here's what stands out to me. We all have different personalities. We all have different gifts. We know how much trouble there is when we start comparing to one another. But this attribute of being filled with the Spirit. God wants every single one of us to be known as that person that's filled with the Spirit. This is available to all of us, and I will submit this. It is the best version of you. You filled with the Holy Spirit. So the title of the message is, What Are You Filled With? What are you filled with? So here we go. Point one. What does it look like to have a life described as being filled with the Spirit? Well, first, it's people who are, f- are filled with the Spirit are encouraging people. They encourage others. Barnabas isn't even his name. Barnabas is his nickname. They All the way through, we find out his name in Acts 4, his name is Joseph. But they started calling him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because he was so encouraging. It was like part of his identity. This guy just encourages people. And so he goes here, and the Bible says that he saw what the grace of God was doing, and he, what did he do? He encouraged them to stay true to the Lord with all their hearts, to be steadfast, to persevere. How many know we all need encouragement? How many know that the Christian life is a marathon, and it's easy to get off that road? It's easy to get discouraged, and we just need people to encourage us, to fill us again with courage. That's what to encourage means, to to be filled with courage. And so They needed somebody to go to these Gentiles. Notice who they didn't choose. They didn't choose the Jewish Christians that were angry that the gospel is going to the Gentiles. They didn't didn't find somebody that would be able to find what was wrong with the Gentiles. How many know it doesn't take a gift to find out what's wrong with people? Now they wanted somebody that, would, that was so filled with the Holy Spirit that even in the mass that the Gentiles were in, we can't imagine what he saw there. These are people that have no religious background. They got saved. What did he see there? He could see through all the dirt, all the problems, all the difficulties and say, God's working here. God is working here. We can see the grace and call the grace out in other people. People filled with the Spirit are encouraging people. Secondly, people who are filled with the Spirit are redemptive. So in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas go out and they do this first missionary trip. And they go out and they preach the gospel, all these places in Asia. And they return to Antioch and they give the report and everybody encourages them and they're excited. And then they're getting ready to go out again. It's Paul and Barnabas. It's going to be their second trip, and something happens. Listen to it in Acts 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers, to the grace of God. People who are filled with the Spirit are encouraging. Secondly, people who are filled with the Spirit are redemptive. Barnabas is kind of you get the idea that this is the guy that's everybody's friend and that he would be the guy that gets along with everybody and brings people together. And, uh, and you don't have that feeling about Paul. Paul is this type A driver going forward and he's just used to getting his way. He's used to this is how we're going to do it. And, and so I, I imagine it would be startling to, to, to Paul that Barnabas is like, no, I will. So, so in, in, uh, in Paul's words... Uh, John Mark deserted us on the last trip. I mean, it was shameless. We needed him and he deserted us. He's not coming back. We don't need that kind of person. And Barnabas says, listen, dude. uh, I'm not going without him. He needs a second chance. This is all about redemption. Redemption. And if he doesn't go, I don't go. This is a very strong stand. But he is this, for Barnabas, this is the center of the gospel, is redemption. If it's all about you got to do it perfect or you're out, then nobody's in. He stands by John Mark. Paul's like, okay, we're going our own way and they're going their own way. Look what happened because Barnabas would not give up on John Mark. This is 2 Timothy 4. This is right before Paul dies. This is, he's in prison. It's his last imprisonment. He's going to die soon. And he says these words, 2 Timothy 4, 4.11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful in my ministry. Because Barnabas refused to give up on Mark, Mark ended up being able to be an encourager. And that relationship with Paul got healed. And Paul changed his opinion. One person was redemptive. So the person that wasn't redemptive had their mind changed. And he was an encouragement to the apostle Paul. Do you know who else Mark encouraged? And you got to see it. Because Barnabas encouraged him and didn't give up on him. Mark Mark made it. And he could now encourage others. Do you know who else, who else Mark encouraged? You. Say what? He wrote the book of Mark. He went on to write one of the Gospels. He went out and he's been encouraging believers now for 2,000 years because Barnabas wouldn't give up on him because of his failure. People filled with the Holy Spirit see everything redemptively. They don't just see what's wrong. They, we're, not, we're not deniers that, we, you know, we see no evil here, no, no, we see what's wrong, we see what's evil, we see what's broken, but we don't just see that. We, we choose to see redemption. Yeah. Yeah. Several years ago, we got word that one of our longtime missionaries, um, couples, they, they had been missionaries on three continents over several decades, and um, all their kids were now grown up, that they were, they were separated, that they had separated as a couple. And I've asked their permission, and they've given me permission to tell this story, and so um, I don't want you to think I'm saying something that they haven't given me permission to say. And so our missions committee has to decide what they're going to do with this. We've got a Christian missionary couple that the marriage is separated. And so they, they, they asked me if I would go down there. To help them. They asked if I would go down and come alongside of them. And I and I met with a wife. She was the one that had separated. And she said, I just, I, I can't, I can't do the charade anymore. I'm still, I still love Jesus and I still love my husband. But we're, we're, it's two lives. He is, he was traumatized and he has been operating out of anger and rage and, at, and it, he, she said the worst thing about it is it's one thing at home and then we go and it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and then we're back at home and it's horrible, horrible, horrible and then it's Jesus, Jesus. She said, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't play charades. I, I can't have two lives. I will not live with him again unless he changes. So I met with him and he said, it's all true. All through, here's how I got broken. Here's how long I've been broken. Here's, here's, and and he he said, I will do anything to get my wife back. I will confess to any group. I will go to any healing seminar. I'll do. I will do whatever and. And, and so I, went, I came back here and I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to all of their supporters, all the churches that support them, all the individuals that support them. I said, listen, this couple for decades has gone alongside people that were hurting and given them a second chance. Now we need, Now they need us to come alongside them. Now, now it's their time. Please st- don't stop giving because they're not, they're not living together. Please join in prayer and keep supporting them. And so to my knowledge, everyone did. Well, let me tell you what happened. Oh, my. <laughs> he got so healed. Their marriage got so healed that two years ago, they asked if they could speak to all of our missionaries. We have a mission stay away. To all the couples and tell the whole story. And they told that story, and everybody was crying, and healing got to come, and people could own, it's very difficult in a pastor's family or a missionary's family, you've got, you know, you're supposed to be this, but this is what's actually happening, and 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 there's all kinds of needs, And and so there was just a tremendous healing, and then what God has done in their ministry since then is stunning. Their ministry is touching an entire nation. I'm not going to describe how, because that would give it away, but... Um, God is using them to touch a whole country. And that means City Church is touching a whole country. And it's through somebody that five years ago was on the sidelines and it looked like could never come back. Amazing. Amazing. What does it look like to have a life described by others as being filled with the Spirit? People who are filled with the Spirit are encouraging. They are redemptive. And thirdly, they are sacrificial. So, the word agape, it is the word used for God's love, and it is, it is a Greek word that means self-sacrificial love. Now, here's the interesting thing about agape. The Bible says about us that, that we, we don't agape, but that God first agaped us. That agape is not natural to human beings. Self-sacrificial love, not natural. That we need, we need God's love in us to live out self-sacrificial love. And so we, the first time we hear about Barnabas, it's in it's in Acts chapter 4, and Barnabas decides he's going to sell some property and give to the poor. And so he comes, it, it, it lays all this money at the apostles' feet and just says, this is for whoever needs it. And apparently he was recognized at some level. Maybe that's, well, it says that's when they started calling him Barnabas. And so there was another couple, and this is kind of how you can see what agape looks like compared to other kinds of love, other kinds of sacrifices, because another Couple watched what happened with Barnabas, and they wanted a little of that recognition. Named Ananias and Sapphira, and so they planned their own gift, and they sold property, and they they were they wanted to give it, but but they 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 also wanted to protect themselves and so they said they gave it all but they they didn't give it all and and it was all it wasn't about God's love and the love of God overflowing in them it was more about us and what how we're going to be recognized and so they held it back and Peter has to say why did you lie to the Holy Spirit you're not lying to man you're lying to God and bad things happen I don't want to talk about that all right <laughs> read Acts 5 if you want to all right it's sacrificial. Barnabas didn't have to be the center. It didn't have to be about him. Here in in the at the end of Acts eleven, he is. He, he's in Antioch. All these people are getting saved. So he goes and he sends for for Paul to come down. And Paul, Paul comes down and it says that Barnabas and Paul taught them for a whole year. And Barnabas' name always came first. And when they got sent out in Acts 13, it's always Barnabas first. Barnabas is the main guy. Barnabas is the recognized guy. Barnabas came from Jerusalem. But in just a couple chapters, it's no longer Barnabas and Paul. It's Paul and Barnabas. And Paul takes center stage. And you see Barnabas just cheering him on, just cheering him on. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom, and it's about other people can succeed, and other people can be anointed, and other people can be the one in the center. I don't have to be the center of everything. So I'm going to throw out a couple names, see if you recognize them. Michael Jordan. LeBron James. Kobe Bryant. Almost everyone in this place, whether you like sports, dislike sports, whether you've ever been to a basketball game, it's like though, yeah, those guys are really famous. Those are basketball players. Those are those are basketball players, well-known basketball players. All right, I want to run another name past you. Okay, get ready. You ready? John Stockton. Hmm. John. John Stockton. Does he, does he bust groceries? What does he do? I, don't, I, John, I haven't heard of him. Um, let me tell you about John Stockton. He played for the Utah Jazz for 19 years. All 19 years that he played, they never missed the playoffs, not one time. John Stockton had 15,000 assists over his career. 3,000 more than anyone else in the NBA history. John Stockton averaged per game over 10 assists a game. No one ever got above 10. The, 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 The second is in the eights. He was the greatest passer of all time. The person that makes an assist is not the guy that scores. He's the guy that sets up the score. He's not the guy that looks good. He sets up the guy that is going to look good. Well, here is the interesting thing about heaven. Man is very impressed by who scores, heaven is only impressed by assists. <laughs> so, so, so what happened this last week, what happened with all of us doing our part, do you know what happened? We gave an assist to our missionaries. It wasn't about our ministry. It wasn't about our thing. It was about their ministry. It was about their country. It was about their, their thing. And, and it, it just it, 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 and the way it was done, everybody gave privately. Everybody gave knowing no one's going to come up front and be. It, it Just everybody did their thing because they were trying to please God. And guys, we got an assist. Go, God. All right, so here we go. I'm so glad you guys are clapping now because there won't be any clapping for this next point. (laughs) Point two, what what are we filled with? So when you are born again, when you give your life to Jesus for real, ask Jesus to come in and receive the gift of eternal life, here's what happens you become what the Bible describes as a new wineskin. You get a new identity just by the gift of God, and that identity is favored, beloved child of God. God adopts you into his family, and you become this new wineskin, right right as a gift, right at birth. But here's the thing, and we've learned this about each other, about ourselves, just because we're a new wine skin, does not mean we're filled with the new wine. The new wine is is the Holy Spirit. We were, we were, we were created to be this new wine skin for the purpose of of being filled with the new wine. And so, um, but we've observed this in ourselves. We've also observed it in others that people that are born again and truly love Jesus can be filled with other stuff so I want us to ask ourselves with brutal brutal honesty and, and I'm not going to ask you about your spouse or about your kids or about your workmate it's just you this is you, you got to be brutally honest and I'm encouraging you to do it with Jesus just Jesus is not here to condemn anybody Jesus is all about forgiving you washing you cleansing you so that he can fill you so Jesus is not here to condemn you but, but you, if, you, if you skip this point, you're, you're not, you're not going to end up getting filled. So, what, what, what are you filled with? And the way we're going to measure it, not going to do this morning. I'm not going to say, what are you filled with today? Here's why. We're in church. Everyone's at their best in church. So, we're not going to do church. We just, we just worshiped. Pastor Tom, I'm feeling God. Da da. da. All right. Not, not doing it. And I'm not doing what's been in the distant past. Let, let, so we're just going to take last week. What were you filled with last week? What were you really filled with last week? Pastor Tom, how would I even know? How do you even measure what you're filled with? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because I'm going I'm to tell you how, you how you figure out what you, what you were filled with. This is just last week. What did you think about during your free time? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what were you thinking about when you didn't have to think about work or you didn't have to think about your response? It was just you and you got to think about whatever you want. What did you think about? That's one way to tell. The other one is what did you talk about? When you didn't have to solve problems and do life... What did you talk about? Because the, the, the Bible says, Matthew 12, that, that what a man speaks is an overflow of what's in his heart. So you get a little hint about what is in your heart. So like, what, what were you filled with? The Bible gives all kinds of stuff that people get filled with. Cain was filled with rage and anger. Esau was filled with bitterness. Just bitter. Bitter. That his brother got the thing and he didn't get it. And he's just, he's just, he's filled with bitterness. Achan and later Gehazi are filled with greed. And even though they name God's name and they do church, they're filled with greed. It's all about money and it's all about pursuing money and doing whatever you can to get money. And of course, they they came to judgment. Saul, not this Saul that became Paul, but the first king Saul, he was filled with jealousy. Even though he's the king, he's filled with jealousy. He's, he's, he's filled with, it's got to be about me. People have to like me. I have to be the, the hero. I have to be the one on top. And when he heard this song about David, and they were saying, David's done more than Saul, he, he had to kill David. Everything was about him. It was about me. And he's just filled with jealousy. Samson was filled with lust. He knew Delilah was trying to kill him. He knew the consequences that somebody was trying to kill him. And this was what happens when you get caught into an addiction, that you choose, you just get filled with that addiction, and I've got to have that, and I know it's killing me, and other people tell me it's killing me, and Christians tell me it's killing me, and I shouldn't, but I just, I have to, and just filled with lust. And so that we would, we would identify each one of those as sins. But there are other things that you can be filled with. Let, let's talk about them. You can be filled with grief. That whenever you're alone, whenever you're by yourself, it's just sad. You, you review the tapes of sadness and what's happened to you and what maybe others have failed. And you're just, you're just sad when you're, when you're by yourself. And everything that you want to say is about that sadness. You can be filled with regret that when you're by yourself, it, the thoughts just pour in about if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't done that, you hadn't done that and you hadn't done that. And, it just, and then it's all usually based on some one thing that sent you in the wrong direction. And there's just regret filling your life. There's one very popular one in America called being filled with anxiety. That, that you have little moments where you're filled with the spirit, and, and it, it's, but, but most of your life, you're just filled with worry. You're filled, filled with anxiety. And then there's other things. You can be filled. How many know that you can be filled with football? be filled with cooking, you can be filled with your children and your family, and, and I'm just filled with family and what the family thinks and the children and the grandchildren and the pictures and ch- children, 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 children. You can, be, you can be filled with video games, filled with entertainment. I've just, i got to entertain myself, I've got to entertain myself. And Pastor Tom, are you saying that they might be idols? Well, you, let's ask the question together. Let's, let's find out if this is an idol or not in our society. Okay, so we've been, we have been warned for the last two years that we need to keep everybody safe and we shouldn't be in public and, and we need to be shut down and, and we have to have masks on and, um, and that if you don't do that, you're not loving people properly and, and so churches are half full, people that used to be a church are now watching online and but it's interesting, isn't it, that last night there were 41,000 people packed into American Family Stadium to watch the Brewer game. None of them had masks. They're packed in. You say, Pastor Tom, that's outside. Listen, they go to the bathroom. They stand in line for concessions. They have to, they have to get tickets. Last Saturday, there were 76,000 people in Camp Randall. They, and none of them had masks on. Right here in Dayton County. And okay, Sunday, last Sunday, there were seventy-eight thousand people packed into Lambeau Field, all without masks. And I'm like, "What is going on in Wisconsin?" Because here's the funny thing: is all of those games were on TV. They didn't have to put themselves and their families at risk. They didn't have to. They didn't have to go out and expose themselves. And 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 so why were they there? Passion, passion overcame their fear. For what they were passionate about, I don't know. I'm not. This isn't about you. you it, for those that are online, think I'm trying to condemn? No, I'm not. Absolutely not. Everybody making their own decisions. I'm just. I'm just saying well, something's wrong in Wisconsin, folks. Don't tell, don't tell me there's not idols in Wisconsin. Don't tell me we love Jesus more than we love sports in Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Or Maybe we love Jesus, we just don't love church. I don't know. What are you filled with? If you are honest before God, what are you filled with? All right. Let's praise God. Let's get off of that point. Here's here's number three. Getting, Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Just so you know, in case you're in pain right now, I'm going to end early and we're going to have a response time. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, you have to become a new wineskin. Pastor Tom, isn't this a contradiction, this text about Barnabas? It says that Barnabas was a good man. That is a direct contradiction of what Jesus said. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, um, who who called Jesus good teacher. He says, good teacher, uh, how must I inherit? And here's what Jesus says back to him. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. The, The rich young ruler had no idea he was talking to God. He just had lumped the human race into two categories, good people and evil people, of which he and Jesus were part of the good and that was kind of his concept of the human race, good people and bad people. And frankly, most of us put that and make those categories. There are good people, and yeah, we know there's evil people out there. And, um, but we always put ourselves in the good category. And I just think it's really important for you to understand that God doesn't put you in the good category. What God said about his own disciples, these are like the cream of the crop. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Why, why, why do we think that we're good? It, it's, there's a tremendous moral complacency in America. Tremendously morally complacent. And so we assume God is as complacent about things as we are. And so we define our goodness based on we're no worse than the next person. I didn't kill anybody. I haven't done it. You know, I'm a, I'm a reasonably good person. Listen, God's way, way holier than you think he is. And you are way more sinful than you think you are. And in God's economy, if you're going to get to heaven based on your goodness, you will never never get there. Even your righteous deeds are as filthy rags in his sight. And so to be saved, you have to agree with God about your sin. And you have to agree with God about his sacrifice for you. See, even though we've sinned, even though we deserve death, even though we all deserve to be separated from God, God loves us and he made a plan that wasn't about our goodness. It was about his goodness. And in his goodness, grace is his goodness. He came, he took on flesh, he died on a cross, and he bore the judgment for your sin and for my sin. He rose from the dead, and today he is offering this new wineskin, this new identity in Christ. Through Christ's resurrection, we become born again. We become new. This is, this, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. This is what we've all learned for ourselves. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has a gift he wants to give you in his love. But but you have to to own your sinfulness and own his great love and his great sacrifice. And then you can become a new wineskin. Okay. Secondly, so Pastor Tom, I I am a Christian. I am born again. You can't be filled with the Spirit while you're filled with something else. This is why most prayers to be filled with the Spirit in the charismatic church don't work. If you're already filled with something, and you're, God, fill me with the Spirit, uh, let's do it this way. Okay, you want a Coke. Honey, give me a Coke. But she's got a a glass of water that's already full. It's already filled to the top with water, okay? So she can pour Coke all day long. No Coke will go in. It's just going to go off because it's already filled with something else. If you're filled with something else, the first thing you need to do is empty the wineskin of whatever it's filled with. So God wants to help us empty our wineskin. So if what you're filled with, you could identify it as one of those sins. You're filled with rage, or you're filled with jealousy, or you're filled with lust, or you're filled with greed. Uh, One of of those things are filling you to say, Pastor Tom, if I'm absolutely honest, during the week, this is what I'm filled with. Then what God says is, I'm calling you to repent. I'm calling you to own it, to agree with me that it is sin, and I'm calling you to repent. I will empty you of that if you will agree with me and repent. Listen, if you justify your sins, if you say, listen, it's not a big deal, everybody's doing it, Christians do it, pastors do it, it's okay, da-da-da-da-da, everybody's doing it. Listen, you will never get filled with the Spirit because you're still filled with yourself. Self-justification is you being filled with you. So, and God calls us to repent. Well, you can empty your wineskin by agreeing with God and just repenting. Saying, God, please forgive me. I own it. I don't want to be that anymore. Now, these other ones that are not sin, but they're like grief and regret and anxiety. They're, these things, it requires something different than repentance, it requires an exchange. That Jesus is the anointed one of Isaiah 61. He came to bind up the brokenhearted and to give an exchange. That he will give his beauty for our ashes. Ashes are the regret of what happened yesterday. Everything that burned yesterday that you feel bad about, that you regret. Jesus wants to take regret out of your heart, but you have to bring it to the cross and say, God, I don't want to live in my ashes anymore. I'm going to trust you with my ashes. If you choose to make your identity in your ashes, you'll never be filled with the Spirit. Because you've said, no, this is who I am. I can't take away my regret because this is why I've been. I've been this way for a long time. Grief. You, you have been sad for a long time. Bad things happen to you. Bad things happen around you. Bad things are happening in the world. You are sad. And he says, I will give you the oil of joy for the spirit of mourning. You need to bring your grief to the cross and you need to say, God, I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want this to be the rest of my life. I want to give you my sadness and in your Holy Spirit, I want to receive your joy. It says the spirit for the spirit of heaviness, God's got a garment of praise that if you, if you, you can live in the wrong lens, you can filled, be filled with the darkness of this age. It's so easy to do it, and it's just a heavy spirit, and everything is negative, and everything is bad, and, and God says, I don't want you under that. Yeah, are things bad in the world? Yep, they are, but I don't want you to live under that. I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead. You're going to get my eyes. You're going to get redemptive eyes. Now, here's the problem with this. Oftentimes, all three of these, the reason why you're automatically filled with these things is because of trauma. Because something has traumatized you in the past. Grief got in. Anxiety got in. Shame got in. Regret got in. And so you're traumatized. And and so you don't try to be filled with these things. You just are. (laughs) You just get up and you are. And so something actually has to be healed in you. And what Jesus does when you just agree with him and say, yeah, God, I'm filled with that. But Jesus will do. He's, he's anointed to bind up the brokenhearted. He's the one that can go back to the place where you got traumatized and say, I'm just going to pull that arrow out. And, and sometimes we've inherited from our parents, he can actually break the chain, the bloodline. He can break generational sin and he can heal you so that you can see things differently. And so we want to empty ourselves so that God can fill us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Let me give you the end of Luke 11. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The, word, the tense of ask there is ask and continue to yes, ask. It's not a one-timer. It's a life of asking. It's, it's, we, we get poured out. We get, we, life happens. We get drained. We get filled again. Filled again. I love the NLV of Ephesians 5.18. Here's what it says. New Living Translation. Do, don't be drunk with wine because it ruins your life. But rather be filled With the Holy Spirit. And once again, the tense is be being filled with the Spirit. It's it's not a one-timer. It's a life. It's a life. Make this your new identity. This is the best version of you.